what is the interaction like? What is the pattern of uh, speaking? How do people interact with each other? How do people socialize with each other at work, outside the work? Uh, how about the food? How about the languages? Uh, so how about subcultures? So if you're coming to a big city, that's very different. So if you enter uh, New York, uh, let's say through New York, New York City is very different, let's say, if you enter through central uh, part of, of the country. Hello everyone, this is Tracy and I am your host on the Visible at Work podcast. Subscribe to hear a weekly dose of actionable insights from me with my decade experience working with multicultural teams across Europe, the Middle East, Africa and North America. You also hear down-to-earth interviews with culturally diverse people who have succeeded to remain visible at work, irrespective of adjusting to different countries, work cultures and people. You don't want to miss this. I have another guest with me today. And the beautiful thing is he is one of my former professors from LaSalle University in Philadelphia, but he also has a personal experience being a foreign professional working in the U.S. for so many years, originally from Turkey, and he's going to share his own experience. He's had responsibilities leading international education initiatives in Czech Republic, in Greece, in Spain, in Switzerland. He's also helped students to adapt working in the U.S. And he's going to tell us how, you know, cultural adaptation is very important for you as a foreign professional in your new workplace in a new location. So you want to listen to that. So welcome with me today, Dr. Yusuf Ugras. Dr. Yusuf, you're welcome. Thank you. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. It's so good to hear your voice once again. <laughs> and this time we're not in class. I'm so excited to be part of your podcast. So I, as you know, I come from abroad, uh, but it's been a long, long uh, time. So I, I uh, 40 plus years ago, I moved to US and uh, it's been a great ride and I, I uh, really evolved to different roles and have uh, experienced uh, many individuals' cultural adaptation process. So maybe we can speak a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, so you you have uh, done the same. Uh, so one thing that, as you know, uh, we talk about that uh, each culture uh, is different and uh, U.S. culture is surely unique. And if you're coming from a different uh, society, uh, it takes a while to uh, learn uh, how U.S. culture works and you have to be prepared uh, for what you're getting into. (laughs) Do you agree? Definitely. I remember, you know, what the class that we had on uh, training the global workforce and we were talking and one of the things that you did that made us be at ease was talking about um, everybody introducing themselves, but not just professionally, but their own personal experience, having interacted with any other culture in the workplace or by virtue of maybe their travels or leisure. And it was really good to help everyone just get to know each other and see where we stand in our cultural intelligence. So that was great. Yeah. And when we we, uh, welcome students, from abroad to a university like LaSalle, it's really important to get them prepared uh, for the US uh, education system. For example, 
our classrooms are very much open, a lot of dialogue, and the distance between a teacher and a student is uh, small compared to some other cultures. So uh, I had the, as you mentioned it earlier, I have been in different places teaching uh, on occasion, and uh, it is so different to be in, a, uh, in the U.S. classroom than it is, uh, let's say, in, in uh, Asia, one of Asian countries. So uh, typically, for example, when we have a student from a uh, uh, society where there is a big gap uh, in power uh, between a, a faculty member and a student, students are pretty shy. They don't speak out. Mm. Uh, they are more reserved. And they are in a U.S. classroom where the faculty expect uh, interaction, participation, and that also would translate in the workplace. So if you come to U.S. work environment, uh, most companies expect people to uh, interact uh, with the boss, uh, interact with the supervisor, and interact with other people. Uh, and uh, so that is, uh, I'm, I'm just translating the U.S. classroom to U.S. workplace. So there are a lot of similarities Definitely. in that regard. Yeah. So I think one thing that uh, we try to do is give uh, international students uh, a good orientation about that uh, and encourage them uh, to uh, shake off their uh, approach uh, a little bit and adapt to, uh, to the U.S. classroom and U.S. workplace. Hmm. Do you agree? Yeah. Definitely, I agree with you. So, Doctor, what do you think, you know, how long do you think this adaptation takes place? Like for some, for like for a lot of international students, maybe they came for a graduate program, which is for a year or 18 months, and it, it's a really short time to read, to change. And um, how do you, how long, based on your experience, you know, working with this kind of people and students, how fast do people change or how long um, yeah, yeah. Really good question. I so uh, one can adapt uh, to every country. Uh, you have to be prepared for it. So uh, the amount of time it takes uh, highly depends from one individual to the other. And one important variable is how prepared the person is to the new culture that they're entering. Uh, so there's a lot of learning to do before you enter a new culture, uh, unless you want to experience a culture shock. So if you want to avoid a culture shock, it's good to have some preparation along the way. Uh, what are some things that you learn during the preparation? You, you learn about what are the uh, body language? Uh, what are the uh, cultural norms? Uh, what should you expect when you enter, let's say, United States? Uh, what is the interaction like? What is the pattern of uh, speaking, how do people interact with each other, how do people socialize with each other at work, outside the work, uh, how about the food, how about the languages, uh, so how about subcultures, so if you're coming to a big city, that's very different, so if you enter uh, New York, uh, let's say through New York, New York City is very different, let's say, if you enter through central uh, part of, of the country. So people have different uh, approaches to life. So you have to also understand the subculture. So my experience is on average, everybody ex 
experiences, no matter how much you, you've prepared, you experience some subculture. Uh, so it is normal to experience uh, a little bit of a shock and you learn things by observing life, even though you prepare yourself for this new culture, there are always some unseen, some uncertainties, uh, and uh, it could take up to a year. Uh, but if you're prepared, uh, if you're open, uh, it will be less. So yeah. my experience is uh, typically it's a year for especially younger people. Yeah. And uh, so an undergraduate student that starts a U.S. college might experience uh, some of the things we talked about uh, in the classroom. People, uh, they might feel that people are disrespectful uh, and they're not dressed right or uh, they talk too much in the class. Uh, they interact with the professor too much. Uh, uh, so that might be some of the things. But then as time goes on, people realize that the standards are different. The expectations are different. Uh, the what we learn in our course is that the distance, the power distance is yeah. different in the US class than it is, uh, let's say in an Asian classroom. So going back to your question, uh, I'm gonna say three months to a year is a time period that you should expect uh, some amount of culture shock. Uh, and then as time goes on, you get to understand uh, what's going on. Uh, and you uh, take the proper adjustment. Yeah, you're right, Dr. Yi, because I, I still remember, you know, from our class talking about different power distance and um, individualism versus collectivism and how that also affects discussion, mm -hmm. even in the classroom right. or, you know, culture at work. And I think right. one of the, the things that affect a lot of us as people um, when we're working is also we don't like to relinquish that control. Human beings want, you know, they want to have that certainty. But right, right. the beauty that comes with moving is you always have to experience some form of uncertainty. Right, so right. When you're open-minded, there's also that tendency where even after three months to a year, you might just find yourself in a conversation and like, oh, yeah. and you pull yourself yeah. back because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, of course, the language barrier is there. So if you come from a, a place that is a different language than English, that's another barrier. Then you have uh, food and uh, uh, climate. Uh, you also, so you, you're coming from a different world and it takes time to even adjust to those things. So I'm remembering my first year, uh, I, uh, I was like feeling, oh my God, this is such a cold place. Um, so my first year was tough, but then, uh, along the way, I got some friends, and you get adjusted, and you interact with people. So you have to be open-minded, and you have to be open to getting to know new people, getting to learn how they are. Uh, so you have to be ready to accept cultural differences. Yeah. So if you're not ready to accept that people are different uh, in their culture, then you are going to uh, have some difficulty. So one thing that I was just uh, thinking about our uh, chat. I was thinking, you know, how well is the person prepared uh, for cultural competency? How much cultural competency does this person have? 
some people uh, feel that where they come from is superior and uh, they start making judgments about the culture I'm entering. So you want to avoid that. You want to avoid uh, thinking one culture is better than the other culture. Rather than doing that, you need to understand why is it different, how is it different, uh, and move beyond that assessing uh, superiority of one culture over the other. That's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking the time to actually access like what differences the person might encounter and then now try yeah. to see how they can be open-minded to handle those differences. So speaking, yeah, yeah. About work, speaking about working, Dr. Yu, you, you know, the class that you taught, I, I had an epiphany in that class when you taught about um, training a global workforce. And we know that the world is shrinking day by day. And a lot of global economies, you know, have their presence in a lot of countries. And yeah, even yeah. from research, we had seen that a lot of um, CEOs now, before you, you even rise to that you know, that aspect of being a, a leader in an organization, you actually have to have like a well-rounded experience or an international or some form of international experience, especially for yeah. multinational companies. So for someone who maybe doesn't have that um, training or the company where they are doesn't ha- give them like that support or they moved on their own, what impact would you say that has on the workforce for a business and for the employee? Yeah. Yeah, today's uh, uh, organizations are very much multicultural. So people uh, have a lot of mobility, people travel a lot. Uh, Internet uh, uh, empowers uh, companies to be global. Uh, And you have uh, the uh, access uh, through Internet. So you you have uh, YouTube and uh, all these search uh, mechanisms. So that allows, really, there is no excuse for people not to do some amount of preparation. So companies are putting a lot of resources in uh, for being able to allow people to work globally uh, and have teams that are based uh, in different parts of the world. So uh, globalism is here to stay. Uh, Mobility is increasing. the cultural differences uh, are always going to be here. So even though we have internet, uh, even though we are getting to know each other and we are interacting with each other, we are still have differences with, with each other and we should celebrate that we have some differences and companies celebrate that and companies allow that uh, differences to take place in corporate world. And the key thing is, you know, getting people prepared to work in different teams. So, today's episode was brought to you by Career Visibility Accelerator Program. Have you ever felt that sinking feeling of being left out? Then listen. There's a problem you face being a highly skilled foreign professional. If you're an immigrant, a self-funded expert, a newcomer, or have English as your second language. You've prepared for everything else, location, food, weather, a great house, schools for your kids if you have one, but you haven't prepared for the business side of selling your skills in a new environment. 
you might get a job just to pay the bills of course we all have bills to pay so that's understandable but then you get sucked into just surviving how do you get unstuck from that and even if you got a job how do you influence decision makers at work confidently speak up at meetings deal with the cultural differences that could affect your productivity and performance you plan for every other thing else and all of that is hinged on the work that you do so you need to plan for how you manage your talent sell your skills build your connections and recertify to learn a new skill set there comes career visibility accelerator program it is here to help cut short that long, lonely, difficult process as a leading six-week virtual training program to help you stand out at work. If you're ready to take action, then join us and let's go all in. Visit www.visibleatwork.com. Sign up for the waitlist to learn about a proven framework to confidently share your transferable skills, articulate your value, and be the superstar you've always been. It's been tested proven and has helped skill the careers of many foreign professionals like you. Join the Career Visibility Accelerator program so you can make that shift from surviving to thriving. Visit www.visibleatwork.com and sign up for the waitlist today. I do have a lot of resources in my, uh, in my bookshelves about uh, companies going to different parts of the world. So we are uh, just today we, people are talking about, you know, the modified version of NAFTA uh, and, you know, getting, get, getting back to that again. And obviously, there are so many differences, let's say, between uh, North, between, within the North uh, American countries. So when you look at Mexico versus U.S. versus Canada, yeah. there are differences in how we do work with each other. So if you are uh, in this North American part of the world, uh, you're likely to have encounters with a Mexican uh, business partner or Canadian business partner. And if you work for, let's say, for a pharmaceutical company, it's a global uh, environment. So uh, companies do have to prepare their workforce uh, to be ready for this global world. So some of the things you, you talked about in, the, in, the, in, the, in our encounter in the class, uh, is very important, um, and uh, it is uh, being taught. So there is an education that's necessary. Yeah. And uh, how, how would you advise an employee to be invested in, or let me just say a professional, so saying you have your own business or you work for an employer or you work remotely, how should an employee be invested in adapting when they move yeah. to a new location or when they work with um, yeah, colleagues? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, if you work for a multinational uh, company, you should know where the company is active in. So if the okay. company is, let's say, uh, is doing business in uh, Western Europe, uh, you should spend some time studying those cultures because you are most likely to encounter uh, individuals from that culture. Hmm. What is their perspective about time concept of time uh what's the uh, uh approach for working between men and women and uh what is the uh, power uh, difference uh, and uh, 
So are they individualistic? So you, it's, it's good to know uh, what is the focus of the company in terms of globalism. Some companies are very active in Europe. Some companies are active, let's say, in Asia, or some are more active in South America. So which countries should you be studying? Now, there are resources that you can utilize too. For example, we live in Philadelphia, and there are many organizations in Philadelphia that have multicultural members, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, there are international chambers of commerce. So if you are going to be involved, let's say, uh, with France or Germany, so German Chamber of Commerce does many events. So you can start attending those meetings and start understanding what that culture is like, right? So in addition to your company doing things, you can take your own initiative and try to study that. So uh, uh, as, as you remember, we had all these books that we, we studied, right? Uh, yeah your kiss, bow, and shake hands book that, that we looked in our course, uh, yeah. where it spends a few pages to each country and you get a little bit of insights uh, about that country. So that's a good way to get started. But uh, you also need to experience it. And that experience happens with interaction with people. Yeah, so I really like the angle that you're taking it with. So, you know, apart from whatever your organization does for you, don't just sit in silos, go out and, you know, get that initiative to find out. Yes, and interact. Exactly. Maybe, maybe you can find some people in your workforce that Definitely. come from different culture and yeah. you should have uh, an opportunity to interact with them. Uh, I know somebody that works with a big uh, chemical company and uh, every month they... Uh, or is it once a week? They go to a different restaurant, uh, and uh, the person that is from a different culture organizes that. So oh. that's another way of getting to know that, right? You go to a uh, Indian restaurant, and uh, you uh, you understand what they're like. And maybe another week you might be going to a uh, Mexican restaurant, uh, a colleague organized. So. Uh, that is a, a, a good way of interacting as well. So they are, you don't have to travel abroad to get that exposure. Uh, maybe there are some people in your firm that are from uh, a different country that you can interact with them. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, on our campus uh, at LaSalle University, uh, I do have colleagues from different countries. So uh, uh, it is fun to talk to uh, a friend of mine who's from Tanzania, and I have another friend who's from uh, Israel. Uh, I have another friend from Greece. So it is fun for me to interact with them and uh, chat a little bit. So um, it is a good opportunity. So if you do have an opportunity uh, to get to know somebody in your firm that comes from a different culture, uh, it's a great opportunity for you to uh, get a head start and yeah, interact with them while you're there. Yeah video yeah. competency while interacting with them. Oh, that's a very great point. Yes. That's so true. I have to say, uh, it is also enjoyable. So I enjoy that and I enjoy interacting with uh, people from different cultures and I enjoy uh, uh, interacting with students coming from different culture. So yeah. this, past thanks this past Thanksgiving, I had two international students at my house. Amazing. Uh, and it was amazing because it was, they brought one was from, uh, well, was from Canada. 
uh, <laughs> not, not very far from uh, U.S. And the other person is far from here, and he was he's from Sweden. Oh, so man. obviously they they I, I didn't feel like they should be staying alone in the dorm. Uh, so I invited them over, and it was great opportunity for them to learn uh, what is a, an American Thanksgiving like, and mm-hmm. also for the people that I had in my house uh, to get to know. A, a young Swedish man and a young uh, Canadian lady, and uh, there there was a, a good interaction, and I noticed uh, between them, and they both came from cold, cold places. So yes. uh, a lot of people ask questions about, oh, how do you cope with this all this cold weather? <laughs> but it was it was fun. Yeah, I think after a while, one just gets used to the cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, that's true. Oh, that's so amazing. So, Doctor, you you know, you were telling me before we came on, you know, you were telling me a story about a young guy. Uh, when we were talking about common challenges that you see, and you were telling me about a young guy, I think he drove from Florida to your place. Oh, and yeah, got there yeah. At 3 <laughs> so, that was a crazy story. So, uh, when I was the head of the MBA program, uh, somebody recommended this young man, uh, and he, he was going to drive from Florida. Uh, to Philadelphia, where we are, and uh, I interacted with him through email and all that, and he didn't have a place to stay, so I said, I offered to him, hey, look, uh, I know you're coming over. I can help you look for an apartment. Why don't you come, uh, and I'll take you over? So okay, and he said, in this case, I will come to your house around 10 a.m. I said, fine, or 9 a.m. Uh, however, driving from Florida, to Pennsylvania, I guess he uh, went too fast. So he <laughs> arrived, he arrived around 2 a.m. instead of 9 a.m. And uh, it was January, it was cold, and it was dark, obviously, outside my house. And I live in a very quiet street. And he decided, uh, obviously I was in bed, he decided he's gonna park the car and wait in the car till the sunrises right and he had his blankets on himself and all that except uh after he fell asleep my neighbor's son came in from the nightclub and he noticed somebody sleeping in the car and um dark and he said my god this guy this guy there's a there's a terrorist outside and this was right after 9-11 so there must be there is a terrorist outside Dr. Ugras's house. I'm gonna call the police. So he called 911. And, and then he called me. After he called 911, he called me. So as soon as he called me, I knew exactly what was going on. Oh. By, the time I, by the time I went downstairs to see this poor fellow and take him inside, he was surrounded by the police, police force in my township. So, he woke up and all these flashlights in his eye. <laughs> so, and I explained to the policeman, hey, look, he's a, he's a student, you know, there's no problem and all. So I took him inside. But this kid had a little bit of a culture shock, you know, coming in from a different country. Even though he was in Florida, he was a, uh, what you call a guest. He was working in a hotel, you know. He, he basically had six months working, trying to le- learn the language. But now he's doing great. He, he understood what happened. And uh, my neighbor's son, 
he then understood what was going on. <laughs> but anyway, it was just uh, an, an experience. So I had uh, similar experiences uh, traveling myself in different places. So I, I enjoy also traveling abroad and interacting with people. And I always try before I go, I try to remind myself what I should expect when I try to go to, to China or to go to Japan or try to go to Russia. Uh, how are uh, those uh, cultures work with each other? Uh, it's not just getting to know how food is different, but also getting to know the cultural expectations. You know, what should I expect? If I go in a hotel, and I have a, a meal, what I should expect from the interaction with people, how should I, what should I expect from the people that I work with. Um, so it is good to do some homework before you go. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's really true. And it also makes like the journey easier, even though, and people are more forgiving if, when they see that you're trying. So even if yeah. you may not get it perfectly right, but they see that you're trying and, um, you're you are so, of interest, yes. Yeah. You are so, so right. Uh, in my last trip, I have to mention that my uh, September, this September, I went to China. Uh, I was invited to speak at uh, University of Shanghai. And um, I also like to explore where I go, right? So yeah. I had a few hours and there is a beautiful, uh, if you go to Shanghai, uh, there's a beautiful historical uh, area, uh, and I wanted to go see it. And I decided I'm going to take the subway. Instead of just taking an Uber or taxi, <laughs> I'm going to take a subway. And I got a little subway map, and I and it, there was not a direct train, so I had to exchange trains. So I got off correctly at the one station, and I was trying to figure out where I should go to connect to the second station. And obviously the, the signs are in Chinese, so I don't speak it Chinese. And I was looking at the map and this young uh, person came to me and said, and uh, she was very helpful. And uh, seeing that I, I was trying to speak and she obviously <laughs> spoke very good English. Uh, she was Chinese and she helped me out and she assured me that I'm on the right track um, so I was uh, very appreciative. So people uh, are willing to help you out. Uh, pe people are, but in some places, people are just nervous about being with with somebody from a different culture. So they might yeah. uh, keep their distance, right? Yeah. So I, I, I uh, it depends on whom you interact with. So don't be, don't be shocked if you go and see somebody who is afraid of interacting with you because of the experiences they've had. Uh, yeah, try it with somebody else. So yeah. one, person, one person might be uh, not the right fit for you. Maybe there's somebody else that you can interact with that's more open. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe like one bad encounter doesn't like immediately just give a blank slate to everybody from that culture. One person might yeah, have yeah, an yeah. encounter with one person and it doesn't turn out to be the thing for everybody else. Right. So you're very and, about that. And some places people don't have a trust. So they don't trust uh, for whatever reason, the experiences, they don't trust, you know, somebody that they don't know. 
so they shy away from interacting with you. But obviously this person wasn't, and she noticed that I, I am helpless trying to understand where I should go on this map. So she came forth. Oh, um, that was that was good. Yeah, that's really nice. So any last words, Dr. Yu, for um, people adapting in their workplace where maybe they got a transfer or they moved to a different uh, location for work? Um, what are the first three things they should do once they start working with new co-workers in a different country? Because, you know, work has a lot to play in how they experience that environment or that culture or that country. So what are the first yeah. three things they should consider? Uh, it happens a lot. And uh, companies uh, in HR offices uh, do have uh, the tools and the resources uh, to provide the support for the adaptation and give you a hand not only for the uh, uh, the logistics and moving yourself and moving your furniture and you know finding an apartment and all that I'm talking more about the cultural adaptation has to be there as well uh, what sh what should I expect from it so there should be some kind of a uh, training program uh, for the people to get to understand it. And in the course we had together, there was a little thing that we did where you uh, asked you to prepare uh, a, a course as if you're preparing a colleague to move to another country. Yeah. Uh, what, what preparation should that person receive uh, to be able to successfully adopt to that culture? So obviously, if you are going to, let's say, uh, a uh, Philippines, what is that society like? And what should you expect? Uh, when you interact with a Filipino, uh, what are the uh, uh, expectations? Uh, how should you communicate? Uh, how should you welcome them? Uh, so those are some small things, but the first impressions matter a lot. Uh, what should you give as a gift? Should you give a gift or should you not give, give a gift? Yeah. Uh, do you study some of that? And uh, uh, how should you be dressed? Uh, so there's so much to learn. So it's yeah. good to, to learn and study that culture is basically what I'm trying to say. And uh, how unique is that culture and you can learn a lot from the history of that, of that country. Yes, definitely. You agree? Yeah, of course, I agree with you. Um, but one of the things I always mention, like to listeners and all, I remember I had an episode on um, things you shouldn't talk about. So even if you study about the history, I know you may not necessarily have to bring it up, but it also helps with the kind of questions that you ask. So right. staying, staying away from like religious or political yeah. politically yeah. debate right. and all. Right. Some people right. would rather have a local talk about yeah. like, their politics. Yeah. They're, right. you know, more biased yeah. than you are foreigner talking about their right. politics. So. Right, right, right. So that's a very, yeah. you make a very good point. So obviously you have to know what to talk about and what not to talk about. Mm -hmm. And especially when you first meet the person, uh, you should not get involved into discussing things that are sensitive topics. So mm -hmm. talk about other things. Uh, and try to uh, establish friendships um, and be a good diplomat uh, in your first stages of communication. 
and I have uh, experienced that uh, quite a few times uh, in both positive and negative way. Uh, Can you tell us the negative story? <laughs> the negative way is, you know, obviously uh, making mistakes like that and entering into politics and talking about conflicts uh, in that country, talking about sensitive topics, mm -hmm. rather than talking about differences, it could be uh, better to start with talking about similarities. Yeah. Think about which ways are, do we have commonality? Mm -hmm. what, things is, is, what things are similar? And maybe you can talk about things that are similar rather than talking about things that are maybe different in our views. Yeah. Uh, so when you go, so I travel to some places where we have conflict, you know, political conflict. So mm -hmm. I try not to uh, raise the conflict in my mm -hmm. presence, at mm -hmm. least in the early stage. <laughs> That's true. Thank you so much, Dr. You like, I really enjoyed this conversation and this episode. Thank you for bringing, you know, your skills and expertise to our conversation today and how, you know, we have to build that cultural competence and also you know taking the initiative to want to find out and set the expectations for wherever we're going to and even if we have a company that we work with where you are provided with some form of information and tools we also have to do our own homework um, because that's yeah. the yeah. as well yeah. we are also representatives yeah. of our own countries as ambassadors so you know, having the knowledge and being diplomatic from the get-go goes a long way in, you know, really being a well-rounded global individual in terms of career-wise and meeting people and building relationships as well. So thank you. Well, congratulations. congratulations to you for having a great podcast on this very important topic. So this topic is always going to be here to stay. Uh, keep going. And uh, thanks for having me. Thank you, Dr. Yu. Now remember guys, communication Bye. is a superpower to remain visible at work. I'll see you next week.